Let me invite you to open the scriptures with me this morning to Ephesians chapter 2. As we return to Ephesians chapter 2, our present message series titled By Grace Through Faith. We've been walking through the first ten verses of uh, this chapter, this portion of God's Word. Central truths found herein, uh, basic elements of the gospel, the central message of our faith. So we'll return back to Ephesians 2 next week uh, in part four of a, a four-week series. And we'll break for a couple weeks. As you heard earlier, we'll have our missions uh, emphasis on the 28th. Uh, and then beginning the second week of February, we'll be in a new uh, message series from the book of Psalms. As we uh, look into the Psalms for several weeks and invite uh, God to teach us and train us uh, on uh, what it means to uh, use the Psalms as a guidebook for our prayer life. But let's look at Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. As you find your place there, let me invite you to join me standing uh, for the reading of God's Word. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. We'll focus in on 4 through 7 today, but I want to back up and read uh, the first three verses as well. Paul writes, he says, As for you... You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Let's bow together. And Lord God, we do thank you for your kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your grace, um, undeserved, unmerited, unearned on our part, but yet showered on us through Jesus. Lord, remind us of it today. Guide us in all things that we might rightly understand the truths of your word and respond accordingly. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Church, you may be seated. Well, parents, it was 10 minutes past 11, and she still wasn't home. In fact, this was the third time that your daughter had seemingly totally disregarded curfew, and you were preparing to lay into her the moment she stepped through that door. Tempted to hold nothing back, you rehearsed some choice words to tell her, how disappointed you were in her and what a disappointment she had been to you. Or husbands, this was the second week that you had to spend away on business and you missed your family. The quiet of the room coupled with desires of uh, the flesh encouraged you once again to look elsewhere for attention and satisfaction. Or students, been a tough year. Despite long hours that you had put in to study, your grades were not what they should have been, and you knew it. 
or businessman, business uh, woman, it had been a tough few months professionally in the workplace. You had spent long days working hard, developing relationships, trying to make sales. Stayed up late many nights, but your quota was not what was expected of you. In both cases, you were dreading the conversation that would soon be had. You knew that you would hear about this. You longed to escape the feelings of inadequacy and failure, so you turned to the cabinet looking for the pills that took the edge off the last time. Believers, what do you do when temptation lurks at your door? Christian, how do you respond when the struggle is real and you just can't seem to shake it? What do you do when you keep falling back into sin and guilt overtakes you and you begin to believe the lies of the devil when he turns to you and he whispers, you're worthless and you're weak. You're not good enough for Jesus Because you act that way, because you entertain those thoughts, God's done with you. He wants none of you. Friends, those are lies. And the reason that we know they are lies is because of two life-giving words from our text today. But God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But because of His great love for us, God. Literally, in the language of the New Testament, the original layout of this sentence structure, this section begins, but God. Now, the last couple of weeks, we've looked at verses 1 through 3, and there we have come away with a couple of hard truths, a couple of difficult truths for us as proud sinners to swallow. Firstly, from verses 1 and 2, we said that prior to conversion, we lived in rebellion against God. And then last week from verse 3, we said, apart from Christ, we are consumed with sin and guilty before God. Tough truths. We were spiritually dead in our sins, living like the world under the influence of the devil, satisfying our sinful passions, carrying out fleshly desires and acting upon evil thoughts, deserving of wrath. That's what the text says. That's what the scriptures teach clearly right here in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. But verse 4, but God. But God. But God what? But God went to work in Christ Jesus on our behalf for our good. So friend, when the lure of sin overtakes you, when the guilt of sin surrounds you, remember the work of Christ. Remember the work of Christ. Remember that Christ Jesus accomplished salvation on your behalf. That He defeated sin and Satan. That He stepped in as your substitute. Enduring God's wrath in your place, in my place, so that we would be forgiven our sins. Restored in our relationship with Him and receive new life. Believer, remember the work of Christ Jesus And rejoice in the character of God. Rejoice in the character of God, for He loves you. How do you know that He loves you? It was His great love for us, verse 4. His rich mercy, verse 4, and the incomparable riches of His grace, verse 7, that led Jesus to the cross for us. 
So whenever you doubt your worth, when you consider compromising standards, whenever the lure of sin lingers in your mind, whenever guilt over failures drives you to depression, rejoice in the character of the God who loves you with an overwhelming love and remember the work of Christ Jesus on your behalf. So just what is it that God has done for us in Christ Jesus? What is this great work of Christ on our behalf in Christ? God raised us from spiritual death. God raised us from spiritual death. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, As for you, Paul writes, all of you, you plural, all believers, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. Verse 4, But God, but because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. You know, it's mid-January here in Alabama. I guess it is everywhere. That was a pretty dumb comment. But uh, we're, uh, we're, we're in the thick of, uh, of deer season here in Alabama. Uh, so if you're not a hunter or you have some aversion uh, to hunting, forgive me uh, for this illustration. But for those of you who, uh, who hunt or who are hunters, uh, when you down a deer... Uh, what is the first thing you do? You go up to that deer and you prod it and make sure that it's really dead, right? Uh, Because if it's dead, uh, then it's not coming back to life. It's not going to jump up. You don't have to worry about a buck jumping up uh, and scaring you senseless or kicking you in the leg as it takes off through uh, the woods. If it's dead, by definition, it's, it's no longer living, It has no life in it. You can't bring it back to life. Death is the absence of life. Incredibly, miraculously, the Scriptures teach here and elsewhere that God has brought the dead back to life. You know, there's a lot of sickness going around uh, here in Birmingham and beyond. It's flu season. Hospitals are full of uh, flu patients. No doubt some of our own congregation, our own church family, I'm sure, uh, is suffering uh, with this illness, but the Bible teaches that that uh, our, our sin is more uh, than a sickness. That before Christ, without Christ, apart from Christ, we are dead in our sins. We were dead in our transgressions and sins, meaning we were morally and spiritually deficient. We disregarded what was right. We lived in rebellion against God, severed in our relationship with God, and yet it was precisely then when we were still dead in our sins, that God raised us from spiritual death. Some of our translations, NIV included, invert Paul's words here in verse 5. But Paul emphasizes our sinful condition first. He writes, even when we were dead in our transgressions, God made us alive together with Christ. Guided by the Spirit. You see, Paul wants his Christian readers to know, he wants us to, To know, to not forget that salvation is God's interruptive work. Dead in our sins, Christ saved us. He states the same truth in his letter to the Colossians. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. He writes, he says, When you were dead in your sins, when you believers were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. 
states the same truth in a different way in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I think Peter echoes this same point. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3, he writes to scattered believers. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in His great mercy. In other words, when you didn't deserve it, in His great mercy... He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You see, believers, as those who have received new spiritual life by the gracious hand of God, let's rejoice in the character of God that led to the work of Christ, raising us from spiritual death and also rescuing us from the destruction of sin. God rescued us from the destruction of of sin, but because of His great love for us. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. You know, it's as if Paul cannot wait to remind his readers of the source of their salvation, to remind believers of the source of our salvation. So he pauses mid-sentence in verse 5 to state what this whole section is really all about, to say this, it is by grace you have been saved. Sozo is the Greek term that Paul employs here, and it means to preserve, to redeem, to rescue, to save, to deliver. You see, in Christ, God delivers us. God rescues us. He does it. And notice that this section is not about a particular methodology of receiving this or responding to uh, this message. It rather simply declares the message. It declares that God is the source of our salvation. God did this. See, He stepped in and rescued us from the destruction of sin, doing for us what we do not deserve what we did not deserve, what we still do not deserve, what we can never do on our own. And elsewhere, he describes God's saving work this way. Colossians chapter 2, once again, end of verse 13, he says, God forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away and nailed it to the cross. So what did God do? Believer, what is this message of the gospel? What is it that God did that was so great for us? What is this work that He accomplished through Jesus on our behalf? He raised us from spiritual death. We were dead in our sins, and He raised us from spiritual death. He rescued us from the destruction of sin, and then He seated us in positions of royalty in His kingdom. He brought us into His kingdom, and He seated us in special positions desired positions, positions of royalty in His kingdom. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you've been saved. Verse 6, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So church, despite our rebellious nature, despite our succumbing to the ways of this world rather than the ways of God, 
Despite our disobedience, despite our guilt before our Maker, He raised us to new life. He rescued us from the destruction of sin, and He seated us in positions of royalty in His own kingdom. The picture that comes to my mind is that of picking up a young child off the ground and putting them in your lap. They're with you. They're seated in a new place, together with you, safe and secure with you. You see, the Bible doesn't teach that any of us get into heaven by the skin of our teeth, so to speak. Because those that get into heaven only do so by the grace of God and are given an incredible position, a position of royalty alongside In a great way, Jesus Christ, Lord of lords, the King of kings, to rule and reign with Him on high forever and evermore. So what does this mean that God has seated us there? What does it mean from a spiritual perspective? I think it means that because Jesus Christ conquered sin for us, because Jesus Christ conquered Satan, that He triumphed over death for us, that we too receive the victory over evil and are given a permanent position with Jesus Christ in heaven forever and ever and ever, never again to be considered guilty by God, but instead given the righteous position of the only one who has ever earned it himself, Jesus Christ, the Son of God and our Savior. In church, though we look forward to the day of His return, though we long for His second advent, we await the consummation of this uh, future position with Jesus in the heavenly realms. Even so, there's a very real sense in which the victory has already been won. You see, the fullness of our salvation remains yet to be realized and enjoyed by us, but the fact and the basis of it has already been accomplished. God, verse 5, made us alive with Christ, past tense. And God raised us up, verse 6, with Christ, past tense, and seated us with Him, past tense, in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus. So believers, friends, don't succumb to the sinner's way. Don't surrender the ongoing battle of the flesh. Don't give the devil his way. Don't follow the ways of this world any longer. Don't give up. Don't get down. For our position in Christ is so certain that we too, like Paul, can speak of it as a present reality, a present experience. For you and I were dead in our sins. We were continually giving into the sinner's way. We couldn't help it. Sin controlled us. We had inherited this sin nature. But this sin nature. But believers, we we don't have that excuse any longer. For God has done an incredible work in our lives through the gospel of Christ. He has raised us from spiritual death. He's delivered us from the destruction of sin, and He's seated us in positions of royalty in His kingdom. And He's accomplished this by His grace for our good. God has done this in Christ on our behalf and His Spirit now resides in us. Chapter 2, verse 22. Enabling us to turn away from from sin and self and toward Jesus again and again and again. And sure, the lure of sin still remains. 
And far too often, we love sin more than we love our Savior. That's what we're saying in the moment we sin. But when we remember the work of Christ, and when we rejoice in the character of God, then we know that the love of God is stronger than the lure of sin. So we strive to to be and to do what we have already become by the grace of God. Are you with me? See, this is not a battle that we can win on our own. This is not a battle for us to fight on our own in the flesh. This is not a salvation that we receive by any kind of merit. Gospel theology is not self-help or bootstrap theology. You can't crawl out of the casket. This is God work for us, in us, and despite us. And He chose to do so. Friends, He chose to save us. He chose to raise us, to rescue us, and to seat us. Get this, so that, verse 7, He could show us the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus forever and ever and ever. That's what's meant by the coming ages. Of course, God was motivated to save you and to me and whosoever would repent and turn to Jesus for salvation. He was motivated to save us so that we might enjoy the riches of His grace forever and ever and ever. Friend, hear what Paul is saying here. He's saying that we deserved wrath, but God united us with Christ so that we might enjoy Him forever. Believers, unbelievers, we deserved wrath, but but God united us with Christ so that we might enjoy Him forever. We deserved wrath. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, we deserved wrath, but God united us with Christ, meaning that what Christ accomplished is ours. That we are in Him and with Him by God's grace so that we might enjoy Him forever. So husband, the next time you're tempted to compromise your fidelity to your wife, next time, father, mother, you're tempted to embitter your children with words from the flesh, the next time, student, that you're tempted to cheat on the test, The next time, sister, you're tempted to view yourself from a worldly perspective rather than the way God sees you. The next time, friend, you're struggling with inadequacy and guilt and encouraged to take on a coping product rather than the person of Jesus Christ. Remember the work of Christ and rejoice in the character of God for it was His Great love for us. His rich mercy. The incomparable riches of His grace that produced this incomprehensible gospel response towards undeserving sinners like you and me. Friends, we deserve wrath. But God united us with Christ that we might enjoy Him forever and ever. Friends, have you been united to Christ? Have you received His saving grace? Will you enjoy the provision of His grace, the riches of His grace expressed to His, expressed 
uh, through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus, will you experience that for all of eternity? Are you living by it now? Are you living and walking and receiving and motivated by the riches of God's grace for you? Father, may it be so for us. Lord, may we be a people who who know the gospel, the good news of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. Lord, may we be a people who respond to that grace with repentance and faith. Yes, initially, for salvation, being adopted into your family, being the recipients of of this gift. But Lord, then ongoing, day by day, as we seek to live and to walk in a way that glorifies the name of our Savior. Lord, You are good, and You have been good to us. Help us to live for You. Help us to glorify You. Remind us today, remind us uh, this afternoon as we uh, depart from here in just a few moments. Lord, remind us as we go throughout our week Lord, as we interact with family members and co-workers and fellow students and teachers, remind us of the grace that you have shown us and give us a gospel perspective that prods us to praise you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.